You like movies? You like TV? How about some video games? Get your ass to squabblebox.co.uk. Hell yeah. Whether it's cinema classics, gaming grades, or TV gems, they got you covered. They do video and podcasts too. Podcasts? What's a podcast? Listen to Squabblecast with editor Dave James and a revolving door of guests for geeky retrospectives, stuck in the long box with Luca and Xavier for some comic book worship, Jedi fun time with our old friend Johnny and the boys interviewing some Star Wars folk, or even Beam Me Up Scotty in which the titular Scotty joins Dave for a semi-regular dose of Star Trek love. And even the latest geeky news with our very own, it came from across the pond. Don't forget that one. I heard that one's good. Views, news, videos, and podcasts at squabblebox.co.uk. Entertainment under attack. Wow. Okay, so hello everyone, and welcome to 6 in 15. Uh, my name is Dylan Spicer, and uh, this is the Squabblebox Podcast Network's hopefully uh, newest show, and you've joined us here in episode one. So, to give you an idea of the format for this, I am going to cover uh, usually a top six of a certain topic, usually quite specific. For example, this week's it is David Lynch films. And crucially, I have 15 minutes exactly uh, to cover six of these things. So this week's it films, who knows, it could be board games, who knows what's going to happen in the wacky world uh, ahead of us. Now, crucially, uh, I do really have 15 minutes. There's not going to be able to have any edits at all. So if I uh, say the the word uh, a lot, like I did just then, that's going to have to stay in. And if I run out of time, we're going to have to rush things towards the end. I really have got a timer in front of me. If you're counting along at home, we are... Yep, that's 14 minutes left right there. Uh, I think the maths is correct in saying it will be about two and a half minutes per topic, but then I've already wasted over a minute just doing this introduction, so we really are against the clock here. So, on we go with this, today's topic. See, that was kind of bad grammar there, usually I would re-record that, but uh, no time for that today. So, today we are doing the top six David Lynch films or TV programmes or short films, anything you want really within the world of David Lynch, except for perhaps his artwork, that will probably be um, another one where he he once did uh, an artwork that was kind of like a chicken, but in the style of a toy that's been broken down into several sections uh, so, anyway, I don't have time to go on any digressions such as that. So, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, a top six in terms of these are his top six films. It's more the top six films that I'm interested in talking about today. Unfortunately, I don't have my notes ready in front of me. There we go, I've got my notes in front of me now. So, we are running low on time, so let's crack on. Number six, Blue Velvet. I believe 1986, although I don't have time to check, so that could be wrong. Uh one of the earliest uh, incorporations with David Lynch and Carl McClacken. Incorporations was the wrong word there. Conjunctions? No. 
some things. When, when two people work together, uh, it kind of follows uh, the American dream but in the darker side of it. And the, the reasons I've always liked Blue Velvet... Oh, spoilers, by the way. There will be a little spoiler alert before the start of each thing. Don't worry, I've not spoiled anything yet except for it's set in America. Um, is that it explores a very strange part of America in a very interesting way in a mainstream film. Obviously, we all know about Dennis Hopper and what he did in the role, how he plays a, essentially a madman and... Karl Mahaken plays the uh, clean-cut young man who gets sucked into this world, and we really get to see the first of David Lynch's visuals outside of a razor head uh, that show his themes the future. For example, we have the long, winding roads, we have uh, the underbelly of America, and just the really strange visuals as well. Uh, the best thing to do, I think, if you were going to try and find someone online, is probably look at uh, the opening scene which is a kind of mixture of uh, a 50s soundtrack uh, with loads of kind of corny visuals, for example, such as a fireman just on the side of a truck waving hello to everyone. But then we go deeper and deeper into the grass. We find all the uh, the beetles and stuff there, the dark underbelly of society. And that's echoed uh, throughout the plot as the film goes on. It's probably most famous for its use of, I think it's not just Oxide, uh, which Dennis Hopper uh, inhales throughout the film. I don't know if anyone's used a sleep apnea machine. It's kind of a similar thing to that. Uh, and it's really worth having a look at, if only to see the birth of a lot of David Lynch's ideas. Uh, and one of the interesting things about Lynch, I do think, is his editing. You can really see it in this film where you have uh, this mixture of slightly corny uh, 50s dialogue but that keeps cutting away to these really horrible shots of strange things. And the whole film is just really unnerving. I think a lot of people found it quite hard to deal with when it first came out, but there's lots and lots to find there. We're doing well. We are doing well. I'm very, very pleased indeed. We've got 10 minutes, 41 seconds left, and we are smashing it. Okay, so number five, we have The Elephant Man. Uh, Again, this actually might have been 1986. Again, there's no time to check. But... Uh, David Lynch is perhaps most, mm, maybe not even it's his most mainstream film, that would probably be straight story, uh, but one of his most mainstream films, and indeed a PG as well, uh, which follows the story of, and obviously it's the crude name for him, uh, The Elephant Man, E.G. John Merrick, a man born with uh, terrible deformities in Victorian England, uh, and how society treated him in this way. Now, I'm always quite amazed that this is a PG film, for those of you outside the UK, if there isn't one, hello for joining us here. PG is parental guidance and generally means uh, anyone can watch it as long as they have their parents with them. Now, uh, this is a disturbing film in many places, not of course because of a poor man's uh, deformity, but more of the way they treat him. Uh, There's a scene, for example, where someone basically pays, uh, takes money to see again. This definitely would have been cut. Look at this. This is this is a this is an absolute mess right here, uh, in which a man uh, gets money. A seller. Let's call him a seller. A man, he gets money in, people give him money, and he takes them to see John Merrick. And they sort of whiz him around the room. What would you call that? Not a buyer. Showman. Informal showman. That's what we'll call it. Uh, So an informal showman takes people to see the elephant man. And it's a very tragic scene because poor John Merrick is just there trying to live his life and people are whizzing him around the room and... In the end, they force him uh, to look at himself in the mirror. And personally, out of everything in Lynch, this is one of the scenes I find the hardest to deal with. Not because it's the most gory or the most nightmarish, but because this was actually a real human being. And it's something that you have to deal with as an audience member, is get uh, drawn into this world of horror. 
that said, uh, the film is shot in uh, gorgeous black and white, and every scene, and I think this is true of a lot of David Lynch films, could just be taken out and used as a poster or indeed an artwork, that kind of thing. So I'm loath to say it's, uh, it looks at the more bizarre elements, uh, such as a lot of Lynch's work do, because I think, to be honest, that's a bit harsh um, to John Merrick. I think it more shows that David Lynch, whatever you think of his films, there's always a real humanity at the core of them and I highly recommend checking it out also just having just it, and this is quite a famous fact about it but it was produced by Mel Brooks uh, who of course that doesn't mean it's a comedy film quite the opposite but it shows as well a talented producer that man is look at this how are we doing for time now eight minutes eight minutes we are smashing it smashing it okay so uh, going on to number four the cowboy and the frenchman now what this is is a 25 minute short which i think uh, david lynch made in the early 90s again apologies if i'm wrong no time to check and um it was produced uh, as part of a french network where uh, they were asking famous directors to do something about what they thought the french were like and i believe david lynch was initially reluctant to get involved because he knew it was going to be like a stereotype and he didn't want to uh, kind of mock the French in any way. Um, However, then he had an idea of bringing in uh, American stereotypes as well. And that's essentially what the film is about. It's about uh, three cowboys who find a Frenchman wandering around the plains. Uh, I mean, it was a Frenchman because he's got things like cheese in his bag, snails, uh, wine, that kind of thing. Uh, And a Native American gets involved as well. Uh, And they basically, although they kidnap him at the start... They, stood, they put their differences aside and by the end celebrate both American and French culture. Now, it's a strange one, this. It basically doesn't make any sense uh, from an external point, but it's actually quite um, internally coherent in terms of its narrative, uh, more than a lot of Lynch's films. Uh, so you really do have this clear sense of these three cowboys finding a Frenchman, but obviously that doesn't really make a lot of sense in itself. However, why I really like it is it's got some really good Lynchian stuff. For example, the passing of time is done by uh, three women singing about what's happening next. Uh, and it just shows, and it is a very inclusive film. It's not in any way making fun of the people involved. In many ways, it's celebrating different cultures. And of course, the whole film ends. Spoilers, whoops, I've been forgetting about spoilers. So spoilers for The Elephant Man, spoilers for The Cowboy and the Frenchman. It ends... Uh, with them all coming together, uh, sharing different cultures. And to be honest, it probably isn't like anything you've seen before. It is an absolutely bizarre one, uh, The Cowboy and the Frenchman. So check it out. It's all on YouTube. You're going to see some nice visuals in there. And it's kind of, um, I'd say, light-hearted Lynch, uh, but with a real heart to it too. So on to number three, uh, Mulholland Drive. Time is running out now. On to number three, Mulholland Drive. Uh, for me, this has one of the best... Oh, spoilers. Spoilers, of course. Uh, one of the best uh, David Lynch scripts to it. Uh, basically, it follows Naomi Watts as she becomes... Uh, she becomes, again, wrong words, that would have been cut, uh, as she plays a young starlet who has arrived in Hollywood. And for various reasons, it seems that her career doesn't end up going that well. And for me, the film seems to be split into two different worlds. You have uh, this whole conspiracy that the reason she can't get the parts is basically because of some weird shadowy organisation. But then there also seems to be a reality behind that as well, that perhaps she simply isn't up for it. That's what happened to a lot of people in Hollywood. You know, you have the bad luck, the luck of the draw. And there seems to be this clash between the two of those things. Excuse me. Again, see, all cuts. I needed to pause there just to breathe and usually 
we're running out of time. We don't have time to discuss that. So, uh, what I what I like about the script is you have this real clash between the kind of funny side of Hollywood. There are weird anecdotes about like a kangaroo who uh, someone owned a kangaroo in a house, and obviously that's ridiculous. And then you have the real gritty underworld of Hollywood as well. And I just think what's beautiful about it is it seems quite incoherent when you first watch it but the more you look at it the more it unlocks as a piece and as long as you can understand that the weirdest stuff is set in a surreal dream world then it actually does make a lot of sense uh, it also contains one of the scariest things I've ever seen which is a man who is terrified that a kind of strange thing is going to jump out at him when he goes behind a certain bin goes behind that bin with his therapist and a strange man jumps out of him and he completely freaks out uh, so worth checking out it might take two watches just to get to the bottom of it, but I highly recommend Mulholland Drive. Uh, plus, Justin Theroux is pretty cool in it. Okay, so now we're going back on to the short films, uh, which is Rabbits, Rabbits, which again you can find on YouTube, and I believe was only released originally as an internet short, but I could be wrong on that front. Again, no time to check. We've got three minutes, 43. Oh, goodness me. Um, what this is is essentially a pastiche of the American sitcom, only with all the actors dressed up as rabbits. So they'll walk in and say something like, it was raining outside today, dressed as a giant rabbit, and an imaginary audience will start laughing at them. And there's lots of weird pauses. The whole thing is generally very creepy. It's all set in one kind of set, which is a bit like a weird uh, living room, but only very dark and disturbing. And towards the end, it really goes off the rails. So they're strange uh, gods that appear it's like um, sacrifices with big flames and things like that well not really sacrifices but more ceremonies that, and it all has this underscoring of a laughter track which really sends the whole thing to a slightly disturbing level however if you're looking for some real hardcore lynch I think again actually Naomi Watts may have been in it but she's unrecognisable because she's dressed as a giant rabbit it is certainly worth checking out so that is my top tip for that one, or rather my top second tip, because that is, of course, number two. OK, so with two minutes, 30 seconds left. Oh, no, I have more than that. Two minutes, 33. We are smashing it now. We are going to go into the last two episodes of Twin Peak The Return. Again, spoilers here if you haven't seen them. So Twin Peaks The Return was the third series of Twin Peaks coming back after 25 years, which is very exciting if you saw the original series because it was all about it returning in 25 years. Now, this is obviously quite a hard watch, this one, because, to be honest, there is a lot of stuff. You need to know what's going on with the original series. Uh, a lot of it doesn't make narrative sense anyway. Lots of things are introduced and then quickly dropped. But if you do watch it overall, I sincerely believe that everything does pretty much come together and basically is all about the primeval forces reduced, produced, produced, introduced, the primeval forces introduced in the first series coming together in a bigger light. Um, and why I thought I would talk about the last two episodes is it really looks like you're going to get the satisfactory conclusion that Twin Peaks fans have wanted for so long. So we've been waiting for 25 years to find out what happens to the doppelganger. And they actually managed to beat him, although admittedly is a ma- with a man wearing a guarding glove who punches him in the face, and that's not a joke. Um, it looks like everything's going to work out, and you really are delighted by what happens. They even have lines like, get the coffee on, it's all going to be okay. Then, just as everything looks good, you see Carl McClacken's face imposed over the screen. He looks very haunted. And he has to go off on another mission. And um, in the end, he has to save um, Laura Palmer. 
perhaps save Laura Palmer, perhaps in a different dimension. Essentially, he might have to sacrifice himself just to trap the demon. And the whole thing seems to end on possibly a terrifying note, possibly a note of self-sacrifice. But I think what it really managed to do is, you know, despite all the weirdness in between, it showed that uh, Twin Peaks was always a story about terrible family abuse. It was never like a funny thing about coffee and cherry pie and things like that. At the heart of the story, there was quite a horrific thing going on there. And in that final episode... Uh, David Lynch managed to show that and it made for really uncomfortable viewing it to be honest probably wasn't the ending that anyone wanted but perhaps it was the ending we deserved I knew things were going to go wrong when the uh, the gangster's wife came in and said I made sandwiches for everybody so 20 seconds left thank you very much uh, for joining me today I think next time I might have a look at Mega CD games, which is obviously everyone knows uh, Mega CD is the greatest console of all time. But look at that, 10 seconds to spare. So what should we do for these last six seconds? I think we all just say goodbye. So goodbye, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Hey, were you feeling that? I don't know, man. All they do is talk. Yeah, but it's cheap. I mean, like, free. Besides, we could become, like, the new Chris Hardwick. Who the hell is Chris Hardwick? Don't get your ass to Mars. Get your ass to squabblebox.co.uk. News, reviews, videos, and podcasts that cover movies, video games, TV, and comic books. Squabblebox.co.uk, baby. Entertainment under attack.